I'm Marisol. And I'm Adam. And you are listening to The The Reading Reading Aloud Aloud Podcast. Podcast. A podcast where the creative, emotional, and hilarious aspects of relationship communication is explored in real time by a real couple. That's us. In season two, we bring you along on our tour to keep the conversation going. Okay. Here we go. Hey everyone, Marisol here. Just wanted to let you know before you listen that this episode does have some sensitive content and does mention the topic of suicide. Okay, hope you enjoy the episode. Okay, so we were doing our morning readings this morning and we started talking about death and kind of because we've been reading this book of poetry um, by Rilke. Rilke. Rilke? Is that how they say it in the South? Rilke? Rilke. <laughs> That's how they say it in Germany. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we're reading this poem. Um, Trouser really wants to participate in this podcast, so if you hear her in the background, that's what that is. Um, we're reading this poetry, and we're on this section around death, and uh, I just, yeah, I just, I think establishing a relationship with death is and with um just having a relationship with that is so important and then you read this poem oh because i was like uh i said we had such a lively like fun conversation and i was like now time to read the death poem mm-hmm. you know and uh yeah and then you read this beautiful poem and we'd like to have a conversation about it so would you like to read the poem happily but as far as setup like your what you said to me this morning was I'm excited to explore death with you. Mm. And then you kind of, I would say, somewhat rambled a little about like death and what it means to you. And I think what I heard in that is that <laughs> you haven't done a lot of exploring about death and that it is possible that I have, well, I have done a lot of exploring about death. And this is a super exciting topic for me. Awesome. So this is from Rilke's Book of Hours, Love Poems to God. It was a wedding gift from our dear friend Ellen Spiller. Or engagement, or wedding, can't remember. For we are only the rind and the leaf. The great death that each of us carries inside is the fruit. Everything enfolds it. So I'm curious, you said you've done a lot of learning about death. Uh, what, What prompted that? Can I invite you to go first? Sure. So I, you know, I wouldn't say I have not thought about death at at all. Um, I made this list of, when I was living in Minneapolis, I made this list of 19 things. And it was like 19 things to live by. And I, I still love that list that I made. And one of them was, you know, accept and, it was something like accept and embrace that death is always walking right beside you. And uh, as a companion, you know, as a companion, not as an adversary. The one piece that really opened up my mind to death was uh, reading Carlos Castaneda, Teachings of Don Juan, and that kind of book series. And there's a lot of conversation about death there as a companion, as something that is walking right beside you um, throughout their journeys in the desert and kind of developing a relationship with that entity and so that's kind of where I'm come to it that's about the extent of of it for me in the sense that 
I want to continually cultivate a healthy relationship with the concept of death, not and not necessarily even myself dying or myself, you know, like, oh, when will I die? And I'm not afraid of death or anything like that, but more in relation to kind of like how death is just a part of our human experience. We see death on the road. We see death in, in our house plants. I mean, it's just kind of like, it's like it's intertwined so eloquently with life and spirals through that um, I believe it's important to establish a relationship. Now I'll say, and then I'll kind of let you go, but like, I'll, I'll say that I don't know what that, re- I haven't necessarily explored that relationship other than the kind of top line message that I think it should be healthy. That's why I'm excited to explore death with you. I think that, you know, especially here in the U.S., there's sort of, there's a lot of different camps, but I think primarily there's like the people who fear death and those who don't, or maybe it's like the people who think about death and those who don't. I remember being a little girl, really little, like maybe seven, Mm. and a lot of my grandparents and great grandparents and uncles and stuff and aunts lived to a, a long t- like lived a long time and I was able to have relationships with them and when my aunt Jane died I remember her funeral and going to her funeral with my cousin who was my age and my older cousin and we put flowers and there was an open casket which is what a lot of people did back then and we just yeah we just spent time with her and a lot of tears and a lot of family time and kind of held court for a while uh, as a family. And I just remember being in the mix of all of that and them not saying like, you know, put, stick the kids over here. They're not going to get it. Like it was very much like, please introduce my parents are like, please introduce my kid to this dead person, you know, like, um, and I remember them talking about that even as I aged. What do you mean? Really what do you mean introduce? Let her build a relationship with death. And I think my parents, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. at that time, I mean, we're talking about in the 80s, early 90s. So at that time, you know, a lot of people didn't like, I don't know why, but, you know, I think conversations about death are much more common now. But like, you know, the pet dies. Oh, it, it disappeared or mm-hmm. it went to live at granny. You know, it's like now it's now there's this openness to talk about it. But back then, I think it was a little maybe cutting edge or alternative to have kids so front and center with death. I think the assumption was that they wouldn't get it. And I think it helped me gain a level of comfortability with especially older people dying. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. I have a lot of really beautiful experiences being at the end of life with older people who have died, including Mm -hmm. through work and through like in family and through work. Like I, I, I actually would really love to be a death doula. Mm-hmm. What what do you feel like, what insights do you have from having that healthy relationship, especially with death amongst a human population, like, you know, humans dying? What, what, what do you feel like, how do you feel like that's benefited your life? How do you, well, and it's not all about benefit, but like, how do you feel like that's enhanced your life? Well, I, re- I think tragedy aside, so that's a very different issue. With people who are dying naturally, um, even people who've been diagnosed with a, like who have a diagnosis, who know that they're dying. Yeah. So often that individual 
you get to, if you watch closely, you get to see that individual come to this place of grand acceptance and it, and really kind of move fairly quickly towards enlightenment, like priorities, what's important, who's important, mm-hmm. gratitude. Like it for, gets to the core of essence of what is real and true. And that's like a beautiful thing. Is that what I'm hearing you explain? It's very inspiring. Yeah. It helps me to, it, it's basically a doula for me. If I were to ever, you know, it's like if I were to begin to die, actively die now or at some point, like I just trust that it will be a spiritual experience. Mm. And even if you were to die slowly or, you know, like, you know, like if we were to know that you were going to die. And I, I um, especially appreciated a story a friend just told of a woman whose husband died during coronavirus, not of coronavirus, it was of cancer. And she asked that her five best friends come clean the house um, after he died and she was leaving him, you put, you actually put ice packs under the individual and you leave them in the house for a period of days so that she could have people come in one by one, um, and, and witness him. And I think what was interesting about that is that both for myself, but that friend in particular had no idea that you could keep a dead person. Like Mm. it all of a sudden feels like, wow. yeah, Yeah. Like I, I think there's an assumption that like, that might be illegal. I think I would question yeah, I would that. Yeah, I would think that there's some sort of rules around that. Yeah. So she cleaned her husband, um, and then the friends came and cleaned the house, and she just, like, I mean, listening to her tell the story was, that is as beautiful as a birth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's such such an amazing way to be radical just that story of the the body and the way that we celebrated the body celebrated that individual through this witness and totally against the societal norms for me it's such a clear area of growth for our human experience then there's this relationship with death that is not actually involved with death in the sense that, like, we only tap into a relationship with death when something dies. Mm. Right? You, mm. Go ahead. Well, I think, you know, and Brene Brown talks about this in one of her books. She's like, that moment when you're, like, staring at your perfectly alive child and the first, as they're sleeping, and the first thought you have is them dying. And, like, that somehow, that's just, like, what your mind goes to because it's pretty much the opposite of that experience but it's also a joy stealer um and and I think about and I might have even mentioned this on a podcast but the story of the husband who worried his whole life that his wife may die one at some point and 60 years into their marriage they got in a car accident together and she did die and he said it didn't change how I felt in that moment I still it was still devastating. Um, having had worried about it did not help or change anything. But but I think that we do relate to dying. I think it's just an interesting thing because we're, we're typically relating to it from a place of fear. And which makes sense, like you water the plants because you don't want them to die. Right. We get nervous when they start to look like they're going to die. Right. We start to try to problem solve. Right. Right. It's just like there is... I think you said it like there's these examples again of a relationship to death being one 
And I would, I would call it an unhealthy one. You know, it's based in fear. It's based in anxiety. Um, it's based in avoidance. And it's not in the sense that like, oh, I'm, I, I'm not scared to death. I'm just going to do all these like thrill-seeking, death-defying things because it doesn't, it's not that type of extreme. But it is of an, a more, and I, I'm a little bit speaking off the cuff here because again, I haven't developed it. It's like this more ongoing, consistent narrative that is again, a relationship. And that's why that, that section in the Carlos Castaneda books about death walking right beside you always. It's just there and it's presence and you find peace with that in everything. And as you were describing before, it can be an incredibly beautiful transformation and process. And so maybe that's just just a more active conversation and communication in your head, in your mind around death. Why do you think that I thought that you didn't have much of a relationship with death? Because it sounds like you have a big one. I think I'll answer first. I think it's because you don't sit around and fret about it. And, I, and so therefore I didn't think you thought about it much. And then, and then I guess I just, it wasn't until we started this conversation that I was like, well, he doesn't have many people in his life who've died, but that's also not true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have some young friends who died and you know, in, in there have been the death of people as you've known them too. Yeah. Yeah. I had a period in my life, early college, uh, where I had several people that I knew, but also close friends die. And then, and then um, I've had several grandparents and a couple of family members pass throughout my life. So, yeah, it's been present. Yeah. And it seems that you've handled it all with care and grace. Yeah. You know, your question was, how did you think I didn't think much about it. And, and I think that I haven't been actively discussing it or, or talking about it in the way that it kind of, it, it relates, it's most relatable to humans, like going through a, um, a process of somebody dying or having conversations around it. I think a lot of really what I've shared today around this relationship with death has been pretty much the extent of my kind of thinking around it. Um, and I draw a lot from that, from that one kind of piece. And so I'm just, ex- I know that there's so much more to explore. Do you have an idea of what that might be? Do I have an idea of what that might be? Or are you just saying blindly you're interested in exploring it? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know right now. I don't know where there is, I where that is. I think I'm just... I'm eager to continue to develop that relationship. I'm eager to deepen my intuitive ability to identify the death in which identify death in a way that elevates and enhances my life. Yeah. I think for me if I were to grow in my understanding of death, it would be it would just be kind of its relationship to grief around like 
you know, when I said to you the death of people as we knew them, I, I actually thought of quite a few people, you know, like a relationship that was once something that is no longer, yeah. you know what I mean? Like yeah. that, like a family member that you once were close with and loved, and then something about either them or you or the relationship changed and it's no longer. And it's like the death of that relationship. And, you know, I talk a lot with, uh, with my girlfriends about that, about grief, but also about, you know, the death, death. And, and earlier I had said death and rebirth and you were like, yeah, but we're too heavily focused on the rebirth process because of course we are, especially here in the West, very focused on aliveness, joy, happiness, aliveness, all the, the quote unquote good feelings and experiences. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I really think, you know, smoothing out the process of the death of things. And for me, I don't really like to let go of much. So I wonder if there's something in an unwillingness to die. And if I were to be more open to and flexible to like, letting go of things, I wonder if then I would be maybe less worried about death in general. I, I do not like the idea of thinking that, you know, when we have a kid, we that I would spend so much time worrying about them dying. Yeah. And I could see myself doing that easily. Yeah. Because I think about you dying a lot. I think about how I of course think of it every time you go on a trip, but like yeah, I yeah, I do. Mm -hmm. I think about it a lot. I think you mentioned a key aspect that kind of opened it up for me a little bit more was the death of things that don't actually involve kind of our classic understanding of death the death of a relationship, you know, and, and what came up for me was the death of an unhealthy part of yourself. Mm -hmm. I've thought a lot about that in terms of, you know, our relationship. And I've had to go, especially very early on in our relationship, I kind of had to let go of essentially die off or let die aspects of my relationship that were not conducive to being in a committed partnership. There's a whole aspect to that. And that is an aspect of death integrated into life, right? I'm letting go of this part of me. I'm letting go of these people that don't serve me. I'm, you know, letting go. I'm, I'm being able to say no to a project in my life that would create overwhelm to me. Well, so that there's more room, like, because the world abhors a vacuum, so it will always fill back up. So it's like letting go, like it, in this the case of, of like unhealthy habits, and, you know, I've had to let go of some too that are not conducive to being yeah. in a committed partnership. Letting go of that so I can live more fully in another way. Um, I, I think it's fascinating how much grief comes with letting go of parts of ourselves that are unhealthy and or that we don't like. I have, I, I mean, when I learned that that was possible early on, I was like, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense because there is, there's this like, there's not only a desire to hold on to things that we know and, and about ourselves, like just because they're familiar, but there's this sadness that sometimes arises when we let go of unhealthy parts of ourselves because they're there for, they arose for a reason. I do want to just before we wrap up, I do I do want to name that like where the most death has been in my life is through people I know who have committed suicide. Mm. Is unbelievable to me how many I I could name so many close friends um and or very close friends of people I'm very close with. Mm. It's so interesting to me and I think 
you know, I exist in this world of artists and I understand that artists can sometimes feel unique Mm -hmm. and in their uniqueness, it it can bring about loneliness or a sense of not belonging or, you know, there's this maybe elevated mental state um, in somebody who's highly creative where their, their mind and spirit don't really feel like or they're earthbound. Um, and I could talk more about that, but either way, um, I have an interesting relationship with it. I have somebody in my life right now who I'm concerned is heading in that direction. And I don't know if I want to stop it. And, you know, I, I, that's a, that's a hard, well, I have two people in my life who are one teeters on the edge always. And I, I just, personally, and I know this will freak some people out and resonate for other people, but it's like, I don't know that I want to try to force their souls to fit in here. Um, Mm. And I don't think it's a phase for some people. You know what I mean? Like Mm. sometimes, sometimes you see people, for example, in my profession, I have clients, especially young ones who go through really, really dark phases. And I can clearly see that if they could make it through that, yeah. they would have, they have the potential to have a life that is just unbelievable. And it's based in like really negative circumstances that they're experiencing. And then the depression that has followed or anxiety. And then there are people in my life who I'm like, you've always you you've or you've never felt like you fit here and you're 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 they're the some of the most magical people i know but they suffer here on this earth and i i can't explain it and it's not a phase and it's not circumstantial um and even in their best times i can still sense that they are out of place mm. wow i really admire you for sharing that yeah it opens up kind of a whole new aspect of like what is what is our role in avoiding and pushing things to avoid death for other people it's so inherent to want to help people survive and it is and like you do hear of people coming through really really extended periods of darkness and just being and living like an amazing life on the other side and being like, I can't believe I made it through. And for them, I'm like, yes, I don't know. I don't know how else to explain it other than there's just like certain people who've lived such amazing lives. Like they've actually lived awesome lives, even yeah. in the midst of their feeling like they don't belong. Mm. And it's almost like they did it, but they didn't get old enough to die. Yeah. Wow. That's powerful. It's also just my opinion. That's the that's the point. It's just like being we're like creating a safe space right here where we can have these conversations and share that and just share those opinions. You know, we're not again, we're not experts on this, but we're sharing and we're learning and we're discovering with each other. And I want to be sure that we put trigger warning I want to be sure that we put trigger warning in there. I, I want to acknowledge this publicly on the podcast that I understand that, that death in general can be very triggering for people, especially suicide. And if you've lost somebody to suicide, it's oh, it's so painful. And you even even if you hold my same perspective or even part of that, it's just like it's to know that somebody was in that place enough 
to make that decision. It's really painful to imagine how they must have been feeling. I also do find some solace in in thinking that potentially there is peace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would say... And I don't believe they go to hell. <laughs> and I would say... Um, to those listening, this is a topic that clearly Mighty Soul and I want to discover more about, or at least I'll say that for myself. And just to remind folks that if you ever want to reach out to us, send resources, send feedback about the podcast, please. Uh, we have a Facebook page where you can message us. That's at Reading Aloud Podcast. Or you can send us an email at Reading Aloud Love. That's Reading Aloud Love at gmail.com. And also feel free to post directly to the Facebook page because it'd be awesome to have an actual conversation with everybody who follows. So feel free to post publicly as well. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks for the wonderful conversation, babe. Love y'all. Love you. Thanks y'all for listening and participating. We always have a great time with you. And if you enjoy the podcast, please go online and rate, review, share this with your friends. This is the way that we build this community. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.